Hi you guys, welcome to episode 2 of Vibing in Valentino. So, let's get started with our weekly weakness this week. My favorite thing right now is actually a protein powder and I got it off of Whole Foods. Like I was at the Whole Foods store and it's called Sun Warrior. And if you guys listened to my episode with Coco Lily in season one, she actually talks about this protein powder as well. Lately, I just haven't really had much of an appetite but i work out still like consistently i do the same things that i've been doing for like workouts so like heavy and all the stuff and like because i don't have i mean randomly i have no appetite it's so weird and i just don't want to lose muscle or i don't want to lose any gains and all that so i just had to pick up protein powder i normally don't do the whole protein powder thing because i usually eat i am a meat eater so i eat you know like chicken and turkey and stuff like that so i'm good on the protein front but lately it's just i i like don't know why i can't stomach food so i've been doing these shakes or sun warrior i think they're the fit and lean classic plus protein i get it in chocolate um not sure if that was like the best choice it's it tastes a little it's like kind of thick um so i'm like i i but i will say i double up on the scoops because i just need that extra part that's how little i've been eating it's like it's just not good i think it's the stress of moving and just organizing everything and like flying i like la dc back to la back to dc it's just kind of a lot so yeah that's what i've been obsessed with lately and i mean you know sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do sometimes for those gains (laughs) okay so without further ado here is our conversation with our guest of the week in recent years k-beauty has truly exploded onto the western market Thanks to our guest today, Alicia Yoon, the founder and CEO of Peach and Lily. Peach and Lily is one of the most trusted online portals to the best selection of Korean skincare products and beauty products, including its namesake collection. It's rare to encounter a brand where you can feel genuine love and passion behind the products. And for that reason, I knew I had to speak to Alicia. Alicia, welcome to Vibing in Valentino. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Your story is pretty fascinating. From athletic dreams to Harvard Business School, you took a lot of different career paths before Peach and Lily started. Tell us about your story. Yeah, so I grew up in both New York and Korea. And when I was younger, I was really into sports. Mm -hmm. And I was a competitive platform diver, so that was what I thought I would grow up and do, and that was kind of the main focus mm-hmm. of, you know, my everyday life. And essentially, you know, it was a long story, but after an accident, I wasn't able to dive anymore. And it's really funny how life works, because at that point, you know, I was pretty devastated. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I have severe eczema. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it didn't help, obviously, that I was in and out of a pool a lot. Right. But, you know, with eczema, you know, it, it goes beyond just, you know, that issue. And so I ended up going to esthetician school in Korea um, out of a real curiosity of how to transform my own skin and how to better understand my skin. 
And that started my journey of really becoming excited about skincare. It was almost like I had entered the matrix because skincare was no longer just death work. I understood the science behind how your skin histology works, how skincare ingredients work. And so, you know, ultimately I moved back to New York for college and I never really thought to pursue skincare as a full-time career. Mm -hmm. That was my passion. So I was doing facials nights and weekends, but I wasn't, you know, thinking of how to actually build a career as it relates to skincare. So at that point, this is now, you know, in 2000, when I moved back to the States, investment banking was sort of like at its heyday. Yeah. You know, I thought that is what I should do for my first job. So yeah, I ended up becoming an investment banker and then becoming a management consultant. And then I ended up going to business school and that's where I really started to think about what is my passion and what can I do with my full-time career that encompasses my passion. And after business school, I went back into consulting and ultimately, you know, there was this moment where I was like, you know, I'm still doing facials. Mm -hmm. I am reading up on clinical studies and my home looks like a skincare store. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of clicked for me. And I started teaching Lily in 2012, you know, with this single-minded passion. I want to help people transform their skin because I was able to transform my skin and it really changed my life. So yeah, it was a little bit, I feel like life can be so unexpected, but if you ultimately just learn as much as you can on the way, but also, you know, just that voice inside that keeps going back to something, you know, you kind of end up, I think, that ends up guiding you. I love that so much because, I mean, one of the things that I love to ask female entrepreneurs that come on the show is like how you knew this was the right path for you. And I think skincare was like one of your, throughout everything that you, you know, all the career paths that you aspired to and, you know, was involved in, skincare was like the one constant for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Exactly. So now that you're here, how do you decide kind of which product or what avenue you want to pursue and create? Like, how do you narrow your focus when it comes to the growth of your business? So when it comes to, you know, I think there are two separate questions in my mind. Mm -hmm. One is, like, what are all the different milestones or decisions or paths? or strategies that you set for the business each year and what are what is the right strategy to pursue. And I think fundamentally what's really important is to really believe in the business as a lasting business mm-hmm. and really thinking about the customer first. So yeah. I think businesses last when ultimately there's this inherent customer first mentality. So every single year when we do like a big strategy meeting, it really comes down to, okay, what did we hear our customers saying the most this past year? And what can we strategically do to deliver on that in a very delightful and unique and value add way? So that's kind of how we make decisions for the business. Now, when it comes to making decisions about which product to create, ultimately we're very solution oriented so Mm -hmm. you know if there is a problem that isn't really a problem like nobody perceives it to be a problem then 
we don't have to create that solution. But if people are like, wait, I have very sensitive skin and dry skin, but I also get acne. Yeah. And there's just not a lot of products I'm finding that work for that. So then we try to create solutions for those specific problems. Mm -hmm. So it can be very um, tantalizing in a world of interesting labs and manufacturers and there's just all these innovations and if you're just mesmerized by the innovation for innovation's sake then you might be answering a solution to a problem that nobody has and so it always comes back to our customers to say what are some of the skincare like problems specifically that our community is going through Mm -hmm. and what are some interesting solutions we can come up for for those problems that they're experiencing and so it you know, I think when it comes to products, it's always about the problems that our community is facing. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to the business, it's always about the value we want to deliver to our customers. It's so important to to pivot where your audience and your customers take you and to not feel like as the company that they turn to, you have like a superior position to be like, no, this is what you need. And I know this is what you need. I love right, that you listen right. to your customers like that. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, a little segue. I actually heard about you guys from one of my previous interviewees, Fashion Lush. She was like raving about your glass skin serum, and I went out and oh, got that's it. So awesome. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, there's there's something behind this brand and then I started doing more research and I was like there's so much love and so much information on skin that you give to your customers it's like you can feel the love there it's not like you know there's love behind your products and I was just like this is this is really a brand that knows their audience oh thank you so (laughs) much I'm so happy to hear that I love that backstory (laughs) I was like I have to talk to her (laughs) So what was the scariest thing about building your own business? Because you worked as an investment banker and you worked as a consultant, but what was the scariest thing about doing your own thing? I think ultimately in all my other jobs, I had a boss Mm -hmm. and, you know, people might say, okay, it's better to be your own boss. But when you are your own boss, you are literally making the decisions. Yeah. And yes, you have a, a great team eventually who will make certain decisions, but ultimately the buck still has to stop with you. Yeah. And you are setting the strategy. And, you know, oftentimes a lot of it is your first time doing something. And so, especially as your business continues to grow, you're making some pretty big decisions that. You know, you're sort of like, I, I don't have experience doing this. I yeah. don't have a full set of data points to make these decisions. And there is just always inherent risk in any decision you're making, whether it's big or small. Mm-hmm. And even on days you're not making big decisions and you're making a lot of small decisions, you start to get the sense that, okay, this all is cumulative. And at one point you're bringing your business down this certain path. And so I think that level of decision making in the face of a lot of uncertainty can be very intimidating yeah but I think what's really wonderful is you know I think for me working on Peach and Lily has been such a fulfilling endeavor 
primarily because, you know, we're helping so many of our customers transform their skin. Mm -hmm. But I think on a more personal front, it's also fulfilling because, you know, I see that I've also experienced a lot of personal growth. And I think one of the areas is that you develop that muscle where you start to feel more at peace making big decisions without enough information Mm -hmm. and just kind of trusting that, you know what, it's not so much like you're trusting your intuition, but you're trusting yourself to say, you know what, somebody has to make the call. And, you know, this is the best decision I'm going to, I think this is the best choice. I might be wrong, but you know what, if there is something that needs to be course corrected, you can always do that too. So it's developing this ability to feel more um, courageous, I guess, in the face of just kind of like doing things where you're like, I I don't know, we're going to do this because we just have to keep moving forward and we just have to put a stake in the ground. Yeah, yeah. I think it becomes a lot more about trusting your own abilities to make decisions. Exactly. And it's also being much more comfortable saying, you know what? This is, you know, before, especially as a consultant, you're, you're analyzing a lot of things. Yeah. And I think entrepreneur, number one, you may not have all this access to data that you can even analyze. Number two, you may not have the time to mm-hmm. do that. And so it's getting very comfortable with this notion of living in the realm of uncertainty and actually being totally okay with that versus, you know, feeling a lot of, um, this doesn't feel right yeah. because there isn't information available. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's developing, yes, that self-trust, but it's also developing a lot of comfort in what inherently is a lot more of a risk-filled scenario than if you had more time, if you had more information, if you had more resources. Yeah. And then being like, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to get phone. <laughs> what is the best advice that anybody has ever given you about business and entrepreneurship or your career run to the problem so Mm. i have a mentor who is telling me listen there's going to be problems that come up Mm -hmm. and human nature of course that's like the last thing you want to deal with in the day but it's going to be in the back of your mind the problem can fester And that's the first thing you should tackle when you wake up in the morning, right? Just run to the problem. Um, And that has been hugely valuable. That's crazy. Because it goes against all of our survival instincts to run to the wrong. Deal with that later. Let's, like, deal with some of this other fun stuff first. But it's like, nope, the best energy in the day is going to be on solving the problem first. And then you have better headspace for everything else as well. What advice do you have to any aspiring female entrepreneur? I would say don't quit on a bad day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, entrepreneurship is going to be pretty rocky. It's going to have a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of bad days that come around, whether you're just tired or something happened or it's a scary day or, you know, what have you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody once told me, A lot of startups fail not by homicide, but by suicide, right? So it's not often like the marketplace or competition is what caused things to go south, but it's really just like burning out. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's a very real thing that 
you know, all entrepreneurs go through. And, you know, on a bad day, it can definitely feel like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But then a good day is going to come around. And, you know, I think there are definitely times in our lives where the right decision actually is to just stop something. Mm -hmm. But I do think that making that decision when it's a good day yeah only affirms that that's the right choice versus doing it on a bad day yeah and when it feels like you're more so throwing in the towel exactly because there's going to come a lot of days where you're like i don't know if i can go on yeah but you know just get to the next good day and then reassess and then you'll notice you can go on and you know you'll just have that tenacity and you just make it to the next good day yeah and then that grit and tenacity just builds on itself and um yeah i actually heard this i i always felt this way mm-hmm. and i heard it the best articulated version of it by nasia lukin who is um you know the olympic gold medalist in gymnastics mm-hmm. and she had invited me to speak at one of her conferences and she was sharing when she was training you know people were like don't quit on a bad day and i was like yes that's exactly like the right pithy way to describe this sentiment of you know it can be tough but just don't put on a bad day you know it's it's like with everything else in life not just with the startup you know there are days where you're just like today is just like the worst day yeah and those are the days that we're gonna feel more gloomy about everything or just tired or you know and you know things just seem a little worse than Mm -hmm. maybe it actually is when we've then just been like, you know what, this day just needs to end, I'm going to go to sleep, you know, I'm going to like, you know, maybe tomorrow will be a better day. Yeah. And then tomorrow it's like, wait a minute, let me look at this again. Yeah. It doesn't feel as bad. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, just trusting that that day will, like, you know, maybe like Monday was a bad day and yeah. then Tuesday also, but then what's day? And then you're like, you know what, let me make some decisions on that day. Yeah. Okay, we're going to shift gears and talk about beauty. As somebody who has seen the Eastern and Western approaches to skincare, what are the main differences you see in the two worlds? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. and also differences. I would say that definitely in, you know, Korean beauty routines, I do see people doing more steps than, you know, what I find people typically doing um, here in the States. Yeah. And it's not that everyone is doing like exactly 10 steps in Korea, but you know, they might be doing like two steps for a cleanser and like a hydrating tone in addition to a serum and so forth. And I think that there's also this, you know, real approach to let's kind of think more long term and gradual change versus like overnight results. Mm -hmm. And I also find that people are not as into retinol in Korea. So there's like really? a little bit more, yeah, it's just not as commonly thought out as it is compared to the States. Yeah, it feels like retinol is everywhere here. Yeah, that's kind of like the main ingredient you might even think about when it comes to anti-aging, mm-hmm. but it can be a little bit drying and it's definitely a little bit harsher than some other anti-aging ingredients. And so, um, yeah, I find that there isn't as much a focus on like harsher ingredients yeah um and then of course there's just like a lot of unique ingredients that you might not find here 
There are also, you know, just kind of these like time testing ingredients that are passed down, like herbal ingredients and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like certain product categories also, like you might not necessarily find an essence like everywhere. Whereas in Korea, that's like, you know, almost all brands will have an essence. Um, you know, sheet nets obviously were like mm-hmm. popularized in Korea. So there's just like a lot of innovation as well. Yeah. Um, and skincare starts really young in Korea. You know, like I feel like I was learning how to brush my teeth when I was three and uh-huh. my mom was also teaching me my skincare. Yeah, no, it's so funny because I had the same experience, I feel. I was born and raised in Bangkok. So, you know, like skincare was always a big thing in my household. Right. Yeah, and I feel like Asian women and men were kind of like, we were bred into a multi-step skincare routine. (laughs) Exactly. How young do you think is too young to start a skincare routine? I mean, I think that even infants are doing moisturizer if you have dry skin. You know, for me, I had eczema, so ever since I was born, Uh I was, my mom was pretty religious about SPF with me when I was, you know, ever since I was like a toddler. Um, And so I think, you know, skincare is really happening since you're born. Um, Like infants should have SPF on if they're going out in the sun. It's just your skincare routine will evolve. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, your skin is an organ. So at any age, there just has to be some care around it, particularly when it comes to like cleansing it the right way, keeping it hydrated, SPF. Mm -hmm. um, And then of course, like, as we get older, depending on what different like skin type we have and different skin concerns that arise, there's other things that you're, you're doing, but there's like this understanding, you know, I think from a young age of like, okay, I have to clean my face, yeah, like gently, and then I also have to hydrate it. Oh, yeah. I'm going out, I have to put SPF on, you know? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember a time when I was not using a cleanser. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I remember when I was younger, um, you know, when I was living in the States, mm-hmm. you know, I would be like, like, literally, I'm the only one on this beach right now <laughs> who is, like, wearing all this SPF. Yeah. All my friends are found, and she's just like, whatever, I am not their mom. You are my daughter. <laughs> you are putting on your SPF. I just don't remember a time I ever played outside without SPF on. No, it's a thing. And I remember it was like very particular. It was like a Shiseido sunscreen stick. My mom would just be like, paint my face. I looked crazy. This was before the innovations with like, you know, like invisible sunscreen. This was white girl. Yeah, exactly. Out here protected. So you spoke about the innovation in Korean beauty. Why do you think the Korean beauty industry is so much more innovative than everywhere else? Because you guys were the OG of so many things. Like you mentioned the sheet mask, and I remember the BB cream. Before it became a thing here, you guys were already on that boat like for forever. Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately industries are only as competitive as consumers are demanding. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know, it really begins with the customers and it begins with what they're demanding from the brands and manufacturers in the industry at large. And I think that, you know, consumers in Korea are very demanding. They want the next best thing, the next best ingredients, um, clean, clean yeah. and cleaner. And I think 
you know, it comes down to, okay, why are Korean consumers so demanding when it comes to skin? Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately it's because from like thousands of years ago, skin care was always seen as a form of self-care and a way of caring for your your well-being. Yeah. And there wasn't this like stigma of like, oh, you're being vain or you're being high maintenance, you know, in the same way that if people are like, oh, I'm going to go work out today. Or, you know, no one is like, why would you do that? That's so high maintenance. You know, you're like, it's healthy, good for you. And I think that that was very much the case in Korea um, for, I guess, a lot of different historical reasons. But and then I think also having, you know, healthy skin was seen as a beauty ideal. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, for a lot of different reasons, I think skincare and talking about your skin care and sharing about it was just a part of popular discourse that made it something that consumers can rally around and have and and put kind of pressures on the industry to say actually we want more of this also korea is a very connected country so it's the fourth largest like fastest internet speed in the Mm -hmm. world yeah a lot of people are on their phone like basically i think i forget the stats it's like the most connected country where you know even in the subway your phone works basically everywhere people are on their phone there's a lot of like social network as well that was like around even long before facebook so Mm -hmm. there's all these digital platforms that help consumer sentiment and sort of what they want preferences spread pretty quickly so it drives i think the industry forward in a lot of ways that's so fascinating you guys are a very very technology driven country it seems like it's nationwide it's not like in thailand for example there's only certain cities that are very well connected and then other cities are just not it seems like you guys are always on the brink of innovation in so many ways and skincare is just one of the facets of that yeah i think korea i definitely am very amazed every time i go back Mm -hmm. um you know which is very often for work just because there's always something very entrepreneurial happening there's a lot of enterprising happening yeah all the time (laughs) yeah what is your actual skincare routine like so Walk us through, because I know you are, you have a lot of good tricks up your sleeve. (laughs) So I have dry skin and Mm -hmm. sensitive skin. So, you know, I am doing a double cleanse when I have makeup on, SPF and so forth. So typically in the evening. So these days I do the Aromatica coconut cleansing oil. Mm -hmm. And then I follow up with the Power Calm hydrating gel cleanser. And then I will always do a toner or essence and or essence. Right now I'm doing the wild beef treatment essence, which is sort of a toner and essence in one. Mm-hmm. Then I follow up glass skin serum, which is my, you know, ride or die serum. <laughs> and then I do the pure beam luxe oil because I have very dry skin. And the oil is really great for even oily skin types, but I like it because it absorbs things quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I do the peach slices, citrus honey, aqua glow. And then in the morning, I will do the Village 11 Factory SPF. And in the evening, I will sometimes do a sleeping mask over it all. Sometimes I do the Eco Your Skin Meso Ampule, uh-huh. um, which is this really interesting product with like little microspicules in it. So it kind of tingles when you put it on and everything kind of seeps in um, really deep into your skin. And then, you know, once a week, I'll do like 
a sheet mask. Sometimes I'll do um, even like more often than that. I'll do the super reboot resurfacing mask, which is an exfoliator once every couple weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that is my routine. Is there a science behind how you pick and choose your masks? Because there's different options. Um. Yeah, so I would say that it really comes down to the benefits on the mask mm-hmm. and what you're seeing your skin needs more of. So if you're like, my skin is feeling dull and flaky, the Super Reboot Resurfacing Mask is great because it's going to help you exfoliate. Yeah. If you have a lot of blackheads, the Pore Proof Perfecting Clay Mask will help draw it out. If you feel like your skin is just like tired, like an overnight star sleeping mask could help. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel like your skin's just kind of lacking moisture inside the skin, sheet masks are great. Okay. So it really just kind of comes down to really getting to know your skin mm-hmm. and seeing what issues it's going through and then selecting the product that delivers those benefits. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of listening to your skin on that. Yeah, exactly. What age do you think we should start using eye cream? Or do you think eye cream is even necessary in a skincare routine? Yes, I would say around your 20s. Okay. Um, and I would say that if you have products that are not eye cream, that you can go over your eyes and it delivers all those benefits mm-hmm. and it's totally irritating your eye area, then that's great. Okay. But if not, you should almost always 100% use a separate eye cream. Got it. Got it. I I think for the longest time, I didn't um, fully understand. This was when when I was in my teens. I was just like, why do I really need eye cream? It just seems like an expensive addition, but my mom would always use it. And I would just be like, why is that necessary? So for our listeners who don't fully understand why you need eye cream, can you please just explain a little bit? Yeah. So your eye area has some of the thinnest skin on our whole body, mm-hmm. which means it's super delicate. So yeah. all this moisture is going to fly out of our skin super fast. So eye cream is really helpful at keeping that area hydrated, but also strong because when moisture leaves really quickly, when it's so thin, it's just inherently weaker. And mm-hmm. so eye cream just targets that specific area and sort of its vulnerabilities in a pretty protective way. Can you give us your top three tips for glowing skin? Yeah, so keep it hydrated, which is different than using oils. Like having a lot of water inside your skin is important. Mm-hmm. The wild food treatment is great for that. It just soaks right into skin. There's three different molecular ways of hyaluronic acid that'll just grab moisture to your skin. And then make sure you're using a lot of antioxidants and anti-inflammatories and soothing ingredients because there's just a lot of free radical damage that can happen from pollution, stress, toxins. Mm-hmm. The Glass Skin Refining Serum has a lot of other benefits, but that is also one of them, that it has the soothing and antioxidative properties. And then I would say that SPF. It sounds so like not sexy, but really, really, it is like one of the most important product categories for our skin because you know that's where a lot of damage can happen and really serious damage as well. So those would be my three tips. SPF sounds unsexy, but man, imagine how unsexy it would be if you have all those sunspots that never get out. That is permanent. (laughs) Five Americans will get skin cancer, which is such a tragedy because SPF helps prevent that so much. And so, yeah, I can't 
underscore the importance of that in us. Yeah. You said one in five? One in five. That oh is a lot God. of people. That is. That's 20%. Yeah. And I used to fall prey to tanning beds earlier in my late teens. And it's just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever did you ever step foot inside one? Oh yeah I mean when I was a teenager there was definitely a, like maybe it was like this one year I, I was just like I'm so pale I need to be tan like my mom was just like what are you doing <laughs> but you know that was what I wanted at that time yeah that was know? the trend yeah and then I ended up going to you know when I started studying skincare I was like oh my gosh wow okay yeah. never again <laughs> yeah it's like one of those young and dumb mistakes like your middle school boyfriend you're like no <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> what is the single worst thing that somebody could do to their skin i would say definitely not wearing spf mm -hmm. second one is just cleansing way too harshly where you're using you know just way too much like stripping cleansers and so forth and you know you're really going to hurt the skin barrier that way mm -hmm. and a lot of things can happen to skin including like dark spots don't go away as easily and you know are there's like lots of accelerated signs of aging there's a lot of stress on the skin so you know just being very very good about using low ph uh sulfate free cleansers that are hydrating Ooh. That's amazing. I did not even know that because I was such, I was so that girl that was like, yes, like, let me scrub everything out of my pores. <laughs> right. Okay. I think I know the answer to this, but what is your favorite Peach and Lily product? I would say definitely the Glass Skin Serum. I have a lot, but that is one of them for sure. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Before we wrap the show, we do a weekly segment every week. It's called Weekly Weakness, and it's all about your favorite thing. It could be a product, a TV show, a book, anything. Your favorite product of the moment. What's yours? I have been watching a lot of tiny health TV shows lately. Oh my god, those shows are so fascinating. I'm just like, wow. This yeah. is something about this, like, I think the mobility. Mm-hmm. And also just, you know, it's oftentimes so linked to living in nature mm -hmm. and being closer to nature and then having a more minimal lifestyle. All of those things are just, I don't know, it's really resonating with me. And then I think because you don't have a lot of space, you have to be so creative with your tiny house in terms of like how you actually design something and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I've been pretty fascinated by these shows and <laughs> pretty accurate. it's so crazy it's the efficiency of it all that i'm like wow this is amazing yeah like it looks so nice and i know for sure there's a lot of i'll read up on how people are like okay but don't romanticize it too much it's not like you know it it gets a little hard when you're like not able to stand up straight in your bedroom and like a compostable toilet is like actually like something you have to really get used to and you know, it can be, if it's not built the right way, it can be a fire hazard. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of, for sure, there's a lot of challenges as well. But I think that the spirit of, like, a lot of these shows will also go into the spirit of the people yeah. who are moving into. And as they, like, seek to be closer to nature and seek to, like, really focus on the important things. You know, just, like, a lot of the stories also are so fascinating to me yeah. on 
like when people decide to go into a tiny house and like the story, like the context of their lives. Like it's just been really interesting to kind of see like people in all stages of their life and just like hear their story also. Like that's been a big part of like, I think the draw of these shows, like yeah. it's not just the but like the people who are living in it and like their stories and yeah I've been I've been loving that yeah I'm a big tiny house person too tiny house nation (laughs) 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 well thank you so much Alicia for talking to us today I can't wait to share this episode with all the listeners Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It was really, really such a pleasure. Yeah, and also leave your Instagram, your website, Peach and Lily's website as well for our listeners who want to find you. So we're at at Peach and Lily, and Peach like the fruit, and Mm -hmm. the word Andy, and then Lily like the flower, L-I-L-Y, and I'm at at Alicia Yoon 212, and yeah, you can definitely follow us and the cool thing also is from day one, we've always had estheticians who answer skincare questions and it's all completely complimentary. So if there are any skincare questions, you can email either hello at peachandlily.com or lily at peachandlily.com. We call it our Ask Lily program. Mm-hmm. And anyone can ask their skincare questions and an esthetician will actually answer the questions. I love that so much. There's so much information and like value that you're giving to your clients and even just website visitors, you know, it's just like the love behind this brand is just, it's one of a kind, it's so rare, it's so rare. And I, it's so inspiring and it's so nice to see. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, that's, oh my God. I, I love that you guys have that. So I will leave your website and your Instagram handles and um, ask Lily's email in the show notes below. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alicia. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Alicia Yoon of Peach and Lily. Peach and Lily, if you guys are avid listeners of the show, like you've definitely heard of this brand before because Fashion Lush actually was like raving about her glass skin serum so much that I like went out and got it and it is so good, you guys. I highly recommend it. And even if you're not going to like shop or you know buy products right now, you don't need to buy products right now, their website is a wonderful resource for anything related to skincare. So I highly recommend checking out their website. Everything is in the show notes down in the link below. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. And don't forget to give me five stars on iTunes because it helps me out a lot. Um, Hit that subscribe button and I will talk to you guys next Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. Be safe, have fun, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.